listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of what we're calling a podcast, but evil. Uh, I'm one of the two hosts. I'm Doug. Uh, I'm Dan. And uh, Dan, you picked an awesome uh, starting point, I think, for our first evil thing to talk about, which is Dracula. Um, Dracula. Vlad Dracula. Can you tell me why you thought uh, Dracula would be a great starting point? Because I have my, he, my thoughts so, on it. He's so scary. Um, <laughs> no, I, well, the thing about, we, we, you know, we, we wanted to start with something that was uh, well-known, had that name brand appeal, um, but was also not done to death necessarily. Although it's funny that Netflix did just put out this uh, Stephen Moffat uh, Dracula series. Uh, so I guess it's it's in the zeitgeist, but he's never really left the zeitgeist. That's what's great about Dracula. He's been in our consciousness uh, for over a hundred years. Yeah, um, I think it, very yeah, familiar yeah. Not only that, like I was thinking, like, well, what's like number one with a bullet? It should be, you know, Satan. But uh, Satan doesn't have a breakfast cereal. He's not a Sesame Street character. Like, there's this sort of like weird market penetration that Dracula. Are has. you saying that Big Bird and Satan are not the same person? Well, I'm saying you haven't seen <laughs> them on screen at the same time. So perhaps. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's like a certain level of, like, you know, somehow Dracula, is, the iconography of this character is so widely accepted as to, like, render him perfectly okay for kids. Like, if you buy a bag of, like, or a, a bunch of Halloween stickers, there's going to be a vampire on there. there yeah. And, you know, like, we're, we're, we're just sort of, like, okay with this guy as kind of almost like the ambassador for Halloween. No, he's he's uh, he's the Michael Jordan of the Universal movie monsters. You know, he's he's the right there at the front of the pack. Dracula, we love him. Well, yeah, and I was what, one of the things I really wanted to explore in this podcast, which is the the I, I, the general pitch was to talk about mostly like villains and evil things, real and fictional, um, and and really kind of delve into why they are enduring and compelling. And I bet if I asked you to recount the actual plot beats of the Dracula story, I'd be curious to see if you could do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is so this is where I, I say that my contribution to this podcast at this point will be the uninformed uh I'm, I'm sort of I'm the looks I'm I'm I'm, I'm the cute one <laughs> of this you know? audio medium you of this audio it. medium exactly so I, I I'm ill prepared and uninformed. But uh, that said, uh, I can tell you this. I know that Bram Stoker, right, the the author of Dracula, the original author, uh, he wrote it as an epistolary. I can tell you that, which means, you know, it's a series of letters. To quote Grandpa Simpson, which was the style at the time. Exactly. Right. Yes. You get five, give me five B's for a quarter. So uh, in the beginning, I believe uh, Jonathan Harker is, is Dracula's attorney. As all great stories, it begins with some uh, document work. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so Jonathan Harker is traveling from England to Transylvania, which at the time was just 
a normal country, <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not, not associated not, with monsters. Yeah, and then now, of course, when you go, you bring your garlic, but he was just like, great, going to Transylvania to meet with this count, this Count uh, Dracula, to, and I think it's some land shit. Is, it, is, is, is that correct? He has some land holdings or something? I could be wrong. He is planning a move to England, but I, you don't have to go through it beat by beat, but the point I kind of wanted to <laughs> I was going to get into in the weeds. He's, he's there. He, he's just acquired some coffins and uh, needs to, uh, you know, make sure they're registered. Well, that I mean, that is the the jumping off point for the story is Jonathan Harker going to visit him. But what's yeah. interesting is that like the plot of the of the novel and even to some degree, the plot of the movie, despite the number of times this thing has been made into movies and the enduring nature of the character, the story seems to have kind of slipped away. Like if I asked you to recount, you know, any number of like fairy tales or other like major, you know, just Oh, I see. Movie, I was actually, I was supposed too. to fail just now yeah. to prove it's, your point. You know, I, I had a hunch <laughs> that you would, cause I failed it. Cause I was thinking like, I don't even know this story either. Well, like, I like, I like, I think like the general <laughs> beat is basically this is Dracula gets a boner for Jonathan Harker's wife, Mina. And so then he begins this campaign of sort of visiting her in the night and taking her blood and sort of, she's starting to fall under his thrall. And then they, you know, they form a ragtag group. That basically is trying to stop this from happening. I mean, isn't that isn't that essentially what it boils down to? Eventually, yeah. Like he, there's there's certain elements of it that I think are pretty cool. That uh, my, what I think one of my favorite things is that so he makes this voyage from Transylvania to England, and the what like what they tell you is like the boat that he was on arrived in England, but the entire crew was dead, and so this like ghost ship just kind of just like. Sl- you know, slumps its way into the harbor. That was not that That's uncommon at the time. You know, that would happen. <laughs> yeah, just that was re- just boat travel. That was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I just sort of think it's interesting to me that the the personage of Dracula has endured, despite the fact that I think that the actual story of the novel has not been as like, you know, yeah, I don't think if you were to quiz, you know. 100 people off the street that they could tell you the the actual general plot beats of yeah off the street in trump's america <laughs> yeah i don't think so but i i, I was I, but to me again the, the idea is like why is this guy this character like outstripping the book that he's in in terms of like the you know, yeah all right well you're asking why 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 does he endure what about dracula makes him interesting and still compelling and i believe Again, I've done no research here, but he is, I believe, one of the – he's probably like in the top three, certainly the top five most portrayed characters in fiction in terms of played by actors um, in various forms. And we are counting Blackula, (laughs) and and when he meets Abbott and Costello, we're counting all all incarnations, Dracula 2000 – by the way, sidetrack, because I doubt we'll come back to Dracula 2000. I will say that I do happen to know that his backstory in that was while a major retcon, kind of a cool idea. Do you know who he was? A, he was a famous uh, in Dracula 2000. He was played by Gerard Butler, not Gerard Depardieu, Gerard okay. Butler. 
The only other Gerard that matters. Yes, yes. I know. I, when I heard it, when I sort of said, I was like, wow, what if it was Gerard Dupardy? That would be amazing. All right. It's played by Gerard Butler in Track to the 2000, which, of course, is, you know, turn of the turn of the century. We all had millennium fever and uh, and Dracula's back now. And he pl- he is actually revealed to be someone from history. Uh, who do you who do you think he might be? Someone going way back, all the way very far back. But also Eastern European. No. Oh, geez. Just uh, pick 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 somebody who, who who might be an interesting choice. I, I I don't want to, I don't want to tell you too much. Henry Henry that'd be a good one. Uh, Nero Caligula. Yeah, like he's that. just beheading people and eating chicken legs. Uh, the whole mm-hmm. movie, it's great. No, uh, he's he's revealed to be Judas, who was like uh, okay. cursed, I guess, because of his betrayal, and somehow that you know made him Dracula. Which again, while a major change from the source material, not the not the lamest idea, kind of an interesting idea. Uh, and that sort of then would get, you know, tie in all of that, uh, the religious iconography that gets that gets wrapped up in there. But uh, why you're asking again, why does he endure? Why does Dracula endure? I well, to, to yeah. a degree that he outstrips the story that he's in, like, you know, because I think if you were to talk about other famous fictional, if we talk about, I don't know, Darth Vader on the next podcast, like people can tell you the story of Star Wars and he's intrinsically linked to the plot beats of that story, whereas Dracula sort of exists as this like. He's more of like a set of rules, <laughs> and uh, and we can talk about the rules for a bit. But like compared to your average like movie monster, some of them don't, some of which don't even have like Gremlins only have three, you know. But there's a lot of like you know objects that uh, affect the way he acts, objects that are you know lethal to him. Things he can and can't do. Well, this is uh, the story grows in the telling too. I mean, since he's he's been around for so long, you know, we kind of add on to it a little bit. And if you go back, as is always the case, when you go back to the original source material, you find that it's actually a lot more reserved than, of course, what we've turned it into. But maybe we can get to that as well. I would say that if you're asking why a character endures in the public consciousness, it's always a question of accessibility. And I think what's accessible, and I'm just guessing, but I think what's accessible about Dracula is that, first of all, he's a, you know he's a predator. I mean, he is a he is a predatory, powerful man, and he is from a far off land, and so there's some xenophobia, I think, there as well. You I know? think that definitely the xenophobia to me really shows up in the story, which is that he's you know not just that he is foreign, but that he is an invader. And right. that his and that his chief thing is to increase his numbers by conversion. Yeah, you know, he by, corrupts, right? Yeah. That's 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 the thing. I mean, that's look, this is what we know about vampires. Everybody knows you get bitten by a vampire, you become a vampire. You're corrupted. You don't lose your life necessarily in the traditional sense. You lose your soul. And I think that idea. I don't know. Again, <laughs> we're not here as uh, as scholars on the subject, but I don't know. If there's a, a concept that predates vampires and Dracula that has that, you know what I mean, where you get bitten and turn into the thing. Of course, then we get you, know, you get werewolves, you get zombies, you get all these other things. But I feel like vampires might have been the first ones to the table. Is that true? I would not be able to answer that question, but I, I do think there it taps into a very universal human fear, which is the one is the fear of the other, and two the fear of the loss of free will. That like you you lose yourself to this thing and it's now in control of you and that is a super relatable fear as opposed to like just 
the other things that he brings with him, which is just like, you know, violence like that. That's certainly easily digestible. And here's the other thing. I think the flip side of that coin is there's an appeal there as well. There's something seductive about Dracula. There is something seductive about losing control. There's certainly a strong hedonistic uh, quality to vampires in Dracula, right? And so it's always it's always sold as like you accept the dark gift and you will reap, you know, pleasures you can't conceive of as a mortal or whatever. Sure. So there's whether that's true or not, uh, you know, that always seems to be like (laughs) it's true for him. (laughs) Whether it's true or not, Doug, it's it's all fiction. Don't worry. It's none of it's true. But uh, (laughs) Um, well, it could but, just be but, a lie. You know, it could just be something he's selling. You know. Well, you know, it's how look. It's the it's the point you want to make in the story because obviously, if you're trying to make more of a moralistic point, then it's a lie. And if you're trying to make a point more about um, breaking off the norms or the chains of society, then it isn't right. Then it's like uh, a little more like interview with a vampire. Like being a vampire is super super sweet. Anyway, yeah. So there is something seductive about that, and and and, and you know, it doesn't take me. Very long to get political, but I think we live in a time where we're learning that a guy comes along and promises you everything. And you just have to give you have to give up your soul. There's a lot of people that would take that deal. Um, and I think there's another reason that Dracula enters like all great villains. He is very persuasive. He promises you that you'll never die. Victory over death. I mean, that's that's pretty uh appealing yeah there is Um, there is a little nuance to him he's not i mean he's not the most um you know complex villain but he there's i think villains do get boring if they're just it's just all black you know like there is no then you get like the xenomorph you know like that that's not well that's a different thing yeah but they're not interesting they're not there's no there's no uh subtlety to them it's just it's a monster that eats yeah, well, there's yeah, there's no personality, right? There and they're representative of stuff, and maybe we'll get into them someday. But um, yeah, that's the I think I think that sums it up pretty well with Dracula. You know, uh, he he taps into universal fears, but also sort of universal forbidden desires, and which are also scary to you, the depths inside of you that you don't want to look at, especially in repressed Victorian England, right? Um, so I think that is why he's so symbolic. And also, of course, you know, he loves to count the bats. But there's something there. Like, like, why is he a Sesame Street character other than that? The I can actually, I, you know. do you know something? This is actually really interesting, Doug. Hmm. There is in, in vampire lore, lore, vampire lawyer. Did I say, did I just create a <laughs> SNL sketch? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, in vampire lore, and I learned this as because as, I'm an idiot. I only learned through pop culture osmosis, so I learned this from the X Files vampire episode. But I looked it up, and it ended up holding up, I guess, at least according to Wikipedia, that in several uh, versions of vampire lore, they're obsessive compulsive vampires, hmm. and um, so you can actually, you know, in the ways that you can defeat them, we should probably go over that. But oh, one yeah. of the lesser known ones is to like throw a bunch of like millet or seed on the ground and they're like compelled to like count it. I'm not kidding. I feel like I did come across that researching for this episode. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's and, crazy. And, and, and so as I say this now, I realize that can't possibly have been the origin <laughs> of the count on Sesame street. The origin is clearly that his name is the count and he counts. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> I don't think somebody came in with a dusty old tome into the Jim Henson workshop and was like, I've got it, you know. Um, but uh, but it is an interesting parallel that that that, that is also true. So that is, I guess, why <laughs> he well, that's not why he's a Sesame Street character because his name is the Count. <laughs> Yeah, and also I think Sesame Street's mission is to – part of it is to make monsters not scary to kids. So like all of the characters, like you know, Oscar the Grouch and Grover, they're all quote-unquote monsters. And the idea was to try and make that stuff, um, you know, tap into kids' fears and go like, no, they're, they want to be your friends and like teach you how to read. And so <laughs> that it makes sense for a Dracula That stand. guy that lives in a garbage can wants to be your friend and teach yep. you how to read. Yeah, it's a good lesson um, for kids. Yeah, but it like it it makes sense for a, a facsimile of Dracula to be there in that if that's your mission. Although there is not you know a corresponding Wolfman character or you know a monk. Well, that would that would kind of give it away. Uh, yeah. That'd make it a little on the nose. But uh, so hey, while we're on the subject though, uh, I, yeah, I figure this is really why people are listening. They want to know how to defeat the villain. Of the week, of the month, As a public of the safety season, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, in the interest of of, uh, of doing a public service, I think we should tell people how to defeat vampires. Now, again, this is something that I believe was a much narrower list uh, in the in the novel. That, of course, as time goes on and you write these stories over and over again, the powers grow, and then also I think the the weaknesses as well, just to kind of keep it interesting, you know. Yeah, they do, uh, although not as much as I thought. Like I remember, I was as I looked over like kind of the the synopsis of the original book and some of that stuff. Like it's in there. A lot of it is in there, although like you said, there's degrees. But I was surprised to see like, oh no, there are references to like garlic and stuff in the, in yeah. the original book. He just like in the in the novel, he just you know doesn't like Italian food. But then now we've decided that <laughs> garlic kills him. No. <laughs> Like, no, not, that, not Italian again, please. Something else. That is true for Sunshine. Uh, I thought that like, cause like, oh, he just doesn't at, like it, or he's weaker in it. Yeah, like in like Buffy the Vampire Slayer rules, like you know, sunlight is instant death to vampires. In fact, that's even um, in yeah. the in the Nosferatu adaptation, he dies in a beam yeah. of sunlight. Um, but in the original source book. Um, he is, yeah, he's able to go around and during the daylight, but I think he can't transform. So if like, if he's in a uh, wolf or a bat form, when daybreak happens, he's stuck in that form for, I think, I don't know if it's the entire day, but like he gets like one shot to change it. Like, Oh, great. Now I gotta be a wolf all day. Ugh. <laughs> yep. Ugh. Missed. Yeah. Vampire hashtag vampire problems. Yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting. I thought the sunlight would be fatal, but no, it kind of just sort yeah. of like restricts him in a few ways. Yeah, yeah. So he's basically just like an indoor kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so got, you got steak through the heart. That's the classic. Steak through the heart. That's classic. That's 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 that'll kill most things. Um, it'll definitely kill a vampire. Yeah, kill also, Dracula. Yeah, also true of humans. Yeah, that's right. So if you've got someone and you're not sure if they're a Dracula or not, but you got to kill him. Go with the stake through the heart. Save yourself the trouble. Go right yeah. for that. I think um, it's kind of cool that like if you tried to behead them or stab them in some other way, that like the knife or the the weapon would pass right through them. Oh, is that is that in there? Like, yeah, they, so I think yeah, I was like I think it maybe it was just and I'm speculating. Danny was like, why can't someone just 
cut his head off and you know why wouldn't he just die from that and i think the, there's something in there about like yeah if you took an axe and tried to cut his head off it would just phase through him oh that's cool you know it's so funny because i feel like with uh modern cinematic techniques they always make it really gory like you like hack off their arm and then it'll grow back and it's always like really bloody and gross i don't know if i've ever seen it where it just kind of goes through that's actually kind of cooler I think that's kind yeah, of neat. Yeah, but an interesting fact, like, and I don't remember ever seeing that power in any other version yeah. of Dracula, but it's mentioned. So, yeah, uh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, but then again, you get into some versions of it where beheading would kill them, but I never really liked that all that much either because I just felt like, yeah, beheading. Okay, well, that's again, that'll kill most things. It's not, it's not really. I like the, I like the weaknesses that are unique to the thing. You know. Yeah. Um. Okay. Then there's uh, we've talked about garlic, which I don't know if they ever really quite get I think into it's why just like, i think he just dislike like it's not if you put garlic it wouldn't kill him it's just like he doesn't it repels him in some way yeah okay just, it's, it's the citronella he's, he's just starting to sound like a guy you know like yeah. he doesn't like to be outside very often and he doesn't like garlic he's just a sensitive guy um big on uh, re- religious iconography now this is interesting because of course you know everyone knows the cross the crucifix uh to re- and and holy water right to repel dracula because of course you know the, the power the all healing power of christ you know uh wards him off but my understanding is and i think this is in the novel and i don't know if you know this but I actually uh, was led to believe that all religious iconography, it's just faith in general, repels Dracula. So in theory, a Star of David, um, I don't know what the Islamic, the name for the Islamic symbol uh, is, but any of that would be enough to to, to apparently ward him off, which I think is interesting. That, have, you, have you heard yeah, this? Yeah, that is, that is my understanding as well, that it's like you don't have to – it's not just Castlevania weapons that, that repel him. Um like if you have yeah just like you said if, if you brandish a menorah at him uh he will be just as a menorah okay well <laughs> so a christmas tree would also apparently ward up dracula yeah okay, but not good. practical they're pretty heavy yeah yeah quick use the advent wreath um <laughs> the advent calendar no just start opening up the days like don't do it um yeah. OK, well, no, but I do find that interesting because, you know, it gets into sort of, you know, this heavy Christian element, uh, which I'm sure is just because of, you know, the, the cultural leanings of, of Hollywood. That's a stupid statement. Oh, I mean, and also, I mean, I, I, I mean, to say the cultural you know landscape of America that Hollywood is sending this stuff out to. Um, no, so it, begun- goes, it goes all the way back to Bram Stoker, who was Irish. Um, OK. And but, uh, I, but but he but he didn't he didn't he in the book say it was it established that it was it was just faith that Dracula had an issue with. Yeah, I think it goes back to the idea that Dracula's power is unholy. Um, it's implied yeah. that he made some sort of deal with the devil right. um, as a person okay. and acquired this power, um, which would make sense that then therefore anything holy would uh, be antithetical to him yeah dragon sort of really is starting to sound like an internet troll because now he's like a proud atheist <laughs> <laughs> he's like always posting memes about it what a dick um but uh yeah so that's that's def- definitely a big thing and i also would argue that and i'm just this is just pure conjecture but if dracula is is here to put you under his thrall if you have a higher power well that's going to trump dracula and that's going to be an issue you know I would think that, yeah, like it would be hard for him to, you know, turn a priest or something if he could even get close. 
uh, you imagine a person like Oh, that. it's happened, dude. Wait, it's like, happened. <laughs> it has There's definitely happened. probably some adaptation where he was a priest or something. And Sure, sure. Um, yeah, there's the movie Priest starring Paul Bettany, uh, where a priest, I believe, uh, Carl Urban uh, is a vampire. He was a former Ooh. priest who was a vampire. So there you go. I am a repository of knowledge. Um, yeah, I've relatively few i mean i've seen plenty of vampire media over my life but not straight up dracula adaptations i've seen nosferatu i've seen um mo i think most of the bella lugosi version which is uh, it, you know the that's the one if you're gonna watch any dracula i don't know why you would pick anything other than lugosi to at least to start with because listen to them the children of the night what, what music, music they make I don't know where I saw it, but somewhere I saw a clip of Cato Kalin doing that line, and it was the weirdest, most surreal thing I've ever seen. Because he's not even attempting an Eastern European affect, um, and it's just very odd to watch him say that. That is, that would be odd. It's odd to hear Cato Kalin say many things, but yes, that, that would be weird. To even be referenced in 2020 is, <laughs> is an honor, right? Yes, truly. Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, is there anything we're missing Uh in terms of, of the major weaknesses there. I feel like that covers, a, I covers think, it. I think we got all of the things. Oh, um, uh, flowing water. Oh, we can't cross over flowing water. Yeah, that's a silly in, one. Yeah, it's like in – he has to be like brought over in some way, yeah. like, like physically, yeah. like, you know, which is why I think that's a, an issue in the book is that he's trying to go to England. And so he needs to bring um, – he has to go in the coffin with Transylvanian dirt in it. And he brings along with him something like, I forget how many, but it's like an absurd number of coffins, like at least 50 um, and puts them in various. He's like Jay Leno. He's like the Jay Leno of vampires. Exactly. This is is the coffin that I, this is the one I use when I'm uh, feeling sporty. And uh, (laughs) Uh, 1928 Studebaker. Um, Yeah. This is the Chrysler. He puts the coffins in different spots all over the English uh, countryside, and then a part of the novel is them going from, like, coffin Oh, and coffin. just destroying the coffins? Yeah, so it's like eliminating a plate, you know, because he needs to... Uh, They're like horcruxes. Yeah, kind of. It's a little more like, you know, it's a safe haven. Yeah. So it's like you know, eliminating those, so eventually he has fewer and fewer places where he could hide. Yeah. Um, so that that's but yeah, getting across the ocean is a big part of that. Like he needs help because he can't just cross flowing water. The, that one always seemed a little weirder to me. Like the religious stuff, yeah. I get that into his origins. You know, stake through the heart is pointy. I get it. Um, but right. yeah, the water thing, I I don't know where that comes from. Except I feel like that's a there's a lot of that in like. Well, there's other interesting things too. Uh, you know, because you get in, you you some of these things fall away because it's not practical or it's not particularly scary. I mean, again, him not being able to cross water, not exactly like the biggest thrill thrilling moment in a story. Um, mm. Another thing that's I think interesting about Dracula uh, is that he enlists he enlists other vampires that he creates, but he also like enlists like. Oh, kind of like gypsies. Well, there's well, there, yes, he has Ren, Renfield too. But also, I think he has just like townsfolk that like do his bidding, that just kind of do it. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's because he's kind of like doing like a week 
uh, vampire thing on them, but he doesn't like turn them. They're just like, you know what I mean? They're, I don't they're, think they're, just they're afraid of him or there's also this notion that is in the book and in certainly some of, I think the better film adaptations that gets across the idea that like just his presence is, you know, corrupting or, you know, works kind of like a blight upon the land um, that, you know, without him even actively going out and causing mayhem, like there's some sort of, you know, unease and decay in the world that surrounds him um, wherever he goes. And I think you certainly get that from like Nosferatu. Like they, they do a good job, I think, of, of establishing that just the just the territory near him is kind of this blasted landscape um, that is suffering from his mere presence. And that could mm. be, that could be where they're getting that is like, it's just, sure. you know, it's seeping out into the world and, and causing people to be worse. Again, without the no modern parallels to that no. <laughs> whatsoever. I can't think of anyone yeah. who is making people worse by his mere influence um have you seen nosferatu no i did see the willem dafoe movie okay that which is also really cool um it it does it's a little better if you've seen it because there's you know they're making discreet references to things in the movies uh absolutely worth your time i it's it it might be my favorite adaptation which is interesting because it is um it was illegal um it was the reason he's like Count Orlock in North Rock right. and, and Dracula is that Bram Stoker or his estate would not give permission to do it. Yeah, he was the Alan Moore of his day. <laughs> but they went and did it anyway. And then he sued or the estate sued yeah. and they won. And the yeah. only reason it exists is that like a handful of copies somehow survived the purge. And then it just gained a following. And at that point, they kind of had to sort of relent and go like, well, people like it too much. So it's, you know, helping um, yeah. promote the story. But I thought that was it. I didn't realize I knew it was like subject that they didn't uh, it was subject to a copyright dispute. But I didn't realize that they had won and they should have won, because if you see it, it's mostly beat for beat uh, the same story. But they do a good job of making him extremely scary. Like because just he just one look at him like he doesn't look like a, a human anymore like he's kind of right. this scary like rat long face. fingers and this big massive head and yeah you can't or, mistake or it for eyes, yeah. like Bela right. Lugosi looks like a person yeah um, he's still you know creepy but he doesn't you know he's not in well this is the this is the this is the spectrum of vampire I mean from the like I'm sexy and flashy. And I'm just down. I, I, I'm down to go to your ecstasy I, party. I'm, I'm Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise <laughs> in New Orleans. And uh, I am a, I am a disgusting creature that looks like he li- lives off of rats under a bridge. You know, that's that's the spectrum of vampires. Yep. Now you brought up speaking of living off of rats, you brought up Renfield, who is a great cultural reference point, I think, because you know his deal is, of course, he is he's in Dracula's thrall. He's he, um, driven mad, I think. By his experiences with Dracula, he probably didn't have all that many marbles to begin with, but now he has less. And he, you know, he's in the asylum there. He's eating bugs. Dracula appears to him. But the thing about Renfield that I think is that I think of is that there's so many Renfields in the world. People like uh, 
<laughs> I'm just going to be open like Lindsey Graham, you know, people that, mm-hmm. that, that give themselves over to a more powerful figure in the hopes of being of, of, of reigning in hell, you know what I mean, versus serving in heaven. Uh, oh, and totally. I think that's yeah. that's 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 what Renfield for me occupies that 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 person that's that's willing to just do anything to get just a taste of that power. Yeah, he he is kind of emblematic of that because all of the other um, characters that come under Dracula's thrall, like the the his like lady bride vampires and stuff, aren't really personages in the story. Like they're just like. They don't uh, pass the Bechtel test. Well, <laughs> they don't pass the Bechtel test. They're they just like, always oh, talking about Dracula. When's Dracula coming back? I don't know. We should do something yeah. nice for Dracula. But, but they don't have, like, they don't talk at all much, as I recall. Like, they don't have much of a personality. They, they become. No, they like, just show, they, they just pop well, out and go. Yeah, they might as they could might as well have turned into animals or something. They're not, um, there's no character to them. Um, but they, but with a Renfield, you have a chance for him to have actually a very striking characterization as his, uh, you know, uh, not really his number two, but as a, a henchman. Right. As someone who's never going to get the never going to get the he's a Charlie Brown, you know, he's just never going to get the thing. He's not going to be a vampire. He will never. But I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. Dracula. Yeah, exactly. Dracula is just not that into you, Renfield. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> You're weird. Um, other interesting characters from the story, of course, there's uh, Van Helsing. Yeah, which, I was going to get to him. Which, you know, a, a Dutch, weird Dutch vampire expert. Um, and I, I I know that, you know, Universal made that ill-fated movie in like 03 or something that was oh, uh, Hugh Jackman, you know, trying to reinvent Van Helsing because I think it's all in the public domain at this point. Um, yep. As some sort of like, you know, vampire, cool vampire killer with a bunch of weird Wild West, uh, you know, Wild Wild West tech. Um, mm-hmm. But the actual Van Helsing, the real guy <laughs> who lived uh, much more of a, a, of, a, of a button down kind of vamp. I don't I mean, maybe you know more about him than I do. I don't know where his knowledge comes from. I'm not sure what his area. What is it? What are his credentials? You know? I don't remember what his credentials are. He is obviously he's not uh, strapping young Hugh Jackman in the book. He is um, he's described as being you know, more like an older professor type. Right. And, um, and the Dr. Seward, I think, calls him in. Right. Yeah. He's called in because he supposedly knows how to defeat uh, vampires. But I think that's true in almost any monster story right eventually you get the person who says i know the key that unlocks this thing well you know it's funny all of these it's been around and done so many times that almost all of these characters have some kind of archetype i mean the vampire hunter i mean that that is a an archetype but maybe it's not done quite as much but it's it's because of that character you know the idea that there's somebody out there who knows all the rules and can advise you you know well, you mentioned Horcruxes. Like that's that's a good example. Like in Harry Potter, like in book six, we finally get the character who comes in and says, "Oh, okay, I know what his weakness is. Here it is, you know." And now that we know what it is, we can go find the you know the MacGuffins and take care of the thing. Yeah. Um, and that's got to come in at like you know right around the like Act Two, Act Three break of any you know monster story. And that for Dracula, Van Helsing is that. Now, not all monsters stories necessarily have this i mean like you know frankenstein you know doesn't have a, a moment where 
you know, the, oh, you, wow, my cousin built a hundred dead corpse people, and here's how you kill them. You know, like that guy doesn't come along. Well, and like, of course, Frankenstein's a very different story. It's not, you know, <laughs> it's ra- well, and we get to that. Like, yeah, it, the the book is radically different from most of the film adaptations that have been made. Yeah, yeah, particularly Boris Karloff. But, um, but that also brings in something like you mentioned earlier that he is a quote unquote universal monster. Both, I think, lowercase U and capital U. Uh, universal and that like yes he is that that universal Lugosi adaptation puts him into sort of a shared universe back then uh, with Frankenstein and the mummy and the wolfman and all, all these other characters that that studio produced back in the 30s and 40s um, at like it just to the point where like you if you're gonna turn on the monster mash they're gonna rattle off all those same names and I, I'm curious as to you know why these I believe Dracula has it. Is, has a, is it Dracula and his son in the Wolfman, or, or, or sorry, in, in the Monster Mash, or who's got the son? Someone's got a son in that, doesn't it? Uh, gosh, I don't know which one has. I can't a son. remember. All right, I, I, we're not. I just know that when the they get, you're supposed to tell them Boris sent you. That's... <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, uh, I know they were they were doing the it was the Crypt Kicker Five. Was that the Crypt Kicker the, Five? The band that's playing. Anyway, all right, let's not get lost in that. None of that appears in Bram Stoker's novel no, um, but, but there is something interesting that like this became like a you know not just that this is a monster but we should be uh these guys can all go hang out with each other like they're part of a, a that was yes yes the first the first shared universe actually universal did try to do that you know recently they tried to oh, sort of do their avengers thing and it, it did not uh, did not go well no. uh that that tom cruise mummy movie and uh there was, oh, there was there was a Dracula, another Dracula movie, and they were trying to sort of build some sort of thing, and it just didn't happen because it didn't want it, didn't want to be that. Uh, just, no, uh, they're, they're, I mean, the concept of doing a shared universe with these characters obviously isn't totally crazy because they've already done it. They did it, you know, seventy years ago. Um, but it, I wonder why is it just because these are all kind of Victorian? characters that you can do this sort of league of extraordinary gentlemen thing with them and put them all together. Or, um, I don't know why. I don't know, I'm, just, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on like the, this kind of plug and play monster world. As, specifically what, why, why they work together or are they, well, why yeah, people why, try I to mean, make them work together? Well, I understand why, because you've got popular IPs that you want to hang sure. out with each other, but, uh, it, but it does sort of work to a degree. I don't know if it's because they kind of share. Well, they're characters. of a, they're of a, they're of an era. They're of a kind of the same era. They they were all given us. You know, Universal did acquire their the rights and 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 do them. You know, in the in the Universal fashion. So then they have kind of a shared aesthetic in that regard. I think that that's part of it. Um, you know, it's all called gothic horror. I don't really know why it's called. Is that just a reference to sort of the castles and the kind of architecture and the stuff? Static, like yeah. Yeah, you know, the setting. Um, so there's that too. It's you know it's kind of uh, it's all sort of European in many ways. It all takes place over there. It's funny because Edgar Allan Poe fits nicely with all of that because of sort of his tone and his settings and things like that. You know, um, and he's more of a romantic writer, capital R. Um, Bram, like we think of these characters like he's sort of occupying a similar like creative strata although like frankenstein is written towards the beginning of the 1800s dracula is written i think in 1892 so they're actually really far apart in terms of like when they were created um 
And yet these in our headspace, I don't know if it's just because we have enough distance from the 19th century that it all blends together for us. But well, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean what, were we, what were we doing in America? We were fucking around with, you know, the Headless Horseman and, you know, Johnny Appleseed. I mean, I don't know what we have going on. Well, Headless Horseman ain't bad. Um, that's but, a, I think that's about it, though, in terms of, like, early American contributions to to that stuff. I don't think we have another real good one. Yeah, it would be Poe. It would probably be your primary source for that. Yeah, and Poe po showed up. But even he didn't give us any, like, there's no character that, like, you know, ah, the Telltale Heart guy. He's shown up so many times and so many things. Yeah. Always, he, put, always he putting that heart under the floorboards. Yeah, he's definitely more about the like settings and concepts than yeah. the characters. He's like he's like the UCB type guy. <laughs> he's all about the game and and you know like Bram Stoker's more of like a second zodiac like character guy. Um, yeah, so those I mean I those I think are the kind of jump out characters from from the story that I remember that stick with me. I think I think you're right that there's you know not a lot of not a lot of great female characters in it. You know, Mina is mostly, I believe, just kind of the the damsel in distress. I could be wrong, but I, I don't know that she gets, you know, a lot of dimension in the story itself. Yeah, I don't think any of the of the uh, female characters do. And I, I, that, I imagine that is I, I don't know enough about Bram Stoker's other writings to know if that's like just this particular story or if that's just a failing of his or it's part of, you know, it was the era. I era, mean, you know, right. uh, maybe we're giving too much of a pass. I don't know. But uh, I know there's Lucy, too. And Lucy does fall she becomes a full-on vampire and i think they kill her right i believe so yeah yeah that's always an interesting idea too that when someone is so far gone you just kill them you know <laughs> that's well there's never been I, i'm not aware of any rule the only thing i've ever seen is like sometimes the idea of like if you kill the head vampire then the sub vampires might be able to be um revived or turned back into humans but i don't know if there's any other canon way to turn a vampire back into a, a, a regular human oh once they're already once they're, once they're gone, already yeah, that's gone. What i'm saying it's like well it's, like it's why don't we why don't, with your permission here uh why don't we why don't we look at some of the different incarnations because there's different rules depending on where you're going to go with this right so yeah. so uh yeah in the original bram stoker story i don't think they get around to un unvampiring anybody uh other than other than yeah. mina mina just doesn't go all the way and then they kill dracula and i guess that kind of that's enough yeah, that's what uh, yeah, she they, they they do rescue her, but it's it's like I said that she doesn't transform a hundred percent, so they're able to prevent it. Right. Um. So there's that. Uh. You know, there's. I mean, I'll just jump around in time. I, I don't. I I can't go perfectly chronologically because I wouldn't really know how to do that. But okay, you want to talk about the Buffy rules? You know, the deal with the Buffy vampires are that they they don't have a soul anymore. Once you become a vampire, your soul is gone. And I think, you know, they've been a little, I think they were a little uh, muddy about whether or not like a demon was actually inhabiting you or not, but you were soulless. And so there, if, if, of course, some ritual was done, you could get your soul returned to you. Um, yeah, but I don't and, that's, think and that's what happened to Angel. It's so Angel has his soul. So he's a right, good but vampire. But I don't believe, right. It made him, it gave him back like his free will and like need his, right. like, ended the bloodlust or whatever. But it doesn't unmake him from, like he would still die in direct sunlight. Right, he's still he's still a vampire. Right, um, but now he solves mysteries. Um, <laughs> I was always so a Spike guy, anyway. You were more of a Spike guy, and then of course Spike. They 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 did something with Spike to try to like soften him up, of course, progressively because yeah, because of people like you, like an unapologetic unwind. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, all right. And so that's uh, that's one avenue. Do the ritual. Get your soul back. Maybe you're still a vampire, but, you know, uh, you have your soul. Um, similarly, Blade. I believe Blade's deal was he his mother was attacked and he was in the womb. So he kind of got He's a day some walker. of it. Yeah, he got some of it, but not all of it. So he 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 can walk in the sunlight and and be badass. Um, right. So that's that's another. Is it be in the womb? Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, that's another option. If, if that's an option for you, yeah, I would sure. take it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Are there any other kind of ways to like unvampire yourself? I, think, I don't think uh, so. I think it's usually like the once once they've got you, it's a lost cause. Like that's all that's left is to uh, put you out of your misery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a case that's been made that uh, in in our popular culture, things like vampires and zombies have sort of taken the place of like Native Americans and stuff. You know, in stories where you just had like a bunch of people you could kill. You know, uh, and 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 the reader would just be like, "Yeah, right on." You know, <laughs> like, well, I mm-hmm. guess in this, you know, now we've got vampires. You know, so if if you can't turn them back, it's okay. You can just go ahead and and kill them. Um, and I think it's very clear that I'm not endorsing that stance uh, from older uh, literature. Well, I think uh, that's why you see those kinds of things popping up in like video games. We're like, all right, you're gonna have to be defeating a bunch of enemies. Uh, right. Probably Zombies, gonna have them be Nazis. like yeah, ghouls. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, something we don't mind you killing, you know, zillions of. Now, by the way, speaking of speaking of Nazis, I have to reference <laughs> one of the great Dracula appearances, maybe the greatest, uh, possibly even eclipsing Bela Lugosi, uh, Monster Squad. Oh, which, yeah, I thought you might what, mention this. Oh, wow. The movie that, of course, taught us that Wolfman's got nards. Yeah. There's a big debate. There's a debate amongst <laughs> the, there's, there's these kids, these very young kids uh, that, of course, have to come together and stop uh Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman. Um, I think Creatures in the Black Lagoon. I think there's, a, there's a, even more. Uh, but there's a debate about whether or not Wolfman, the Wolfman has nards. And then, of course, they settle that. And he has nards. Um, but Monster Squad is fantastic. I think it holds up. Fantastic film. Definitely one of these weird hybrid movies that will never probably be made now because it's a little too much. It's like a little too scary for kids. But it's aimed at kids. And what I wanted to say, the thing about Nazis is there's this crazy thing in it, which is there's this neighbor that they have, this scary neighbor, there's a neighbor they're scared of. You know, he's an older the man. He's the like, Home Alone guy with the shovel. Yeah, exactly. He's the shovel guy from Home Alone. And they're all like, he's a monster. I know that guy's a, a monster. And eventually they, they get to know him and talk to him. And he's like, I have seen monsters before. And he pulls his sleeve back and he's got a, a, a concentration camp tattoo on his arm and it's like that's some heavy shit to throw in your whimsical <laughs> goofy monster movie for kids so that's that that movie that movie holds up it's wow. a good one they do unfortunately i believe throw around um a, a slur for gay people because it was the 80s and and that mm. was the thing that happened so if you can get past that moment um but they're also good. you know raising holocaust awareness so you know yeah exactly you it, give it, with it, one it, hand and you take with you i can't i look it's not my place to say whether that balances things out but <laughs> i like to believe it does um so that's monster squad i don't think i don't know if there's any new rules brought to the table in that one um but but some, dracula once again is definitely the main bad guy you know he's definitely the uh, he's always the master the leader 
when yeah, when he's when he's with a bunch of other monsters, he is usually the master. Especially when the others are, you know, like the Wolfman is not. You wouldn't think yeah. of him for like strategic thinking. You know, he just wants to bite things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I Nobody puts Dracula in a corner. And then you get stuff like Underworld and, you know, where... Oh, yeah, like, right. The Underworld sketch. movies. Underwhelming, more like. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Beckinsale. But that's, you know, one of those ones where there's far more movies than should be in that series. And they're all... It's all de- I hate that look. That's that Van Helsing look where everything's just desaturated. Everything oh, is, is like just... Yeah, blue and gray and just stupid. And, and I guess the Underworld concept is that there's been an ancient war between the the lichens right the werewolves and the yeah, vampires they, they come up with a word for them they couldn't just call them werewolves that comes up though i think that's a twilight thing too isn't it that the vampires and the werewolves don't oh, really get on well twilight has a bunch of new rules where like they couldn't <laughs> where they couldn't get away with like having them die in the sunlight so they sparkle like diamonds they sparkle right yeah yeah that's it's still a pretty good reason to not go into the sunlight but it would still uh, be to look like you're covered in glitter during the day, yeah. Yeah, we're definitely, you know, past that. I think Twilight's not one of those things that's going to, like, endure. I don't think 100 years from now people are going to be like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm Team Edward. Um, but but that was certainly a... Twilight, of course, known primarily for beginning as... Um, it was a, was it, was that the one that was erotic fan fiction? Or was that... Or no, like, it was... Yeah. It was Shades of Grey was uh, Twilight. Twilight... Twilight has some though some I feel like some similarly like not super impressive origin, um, but I could be wrong. Anyway, Twilight yes for the teens, for the kids. Have my Twilight credentials are having watched the first movie to see what all the kids were talking about and immediately thinking, well, I wish I could get those two hours of my life back that I just wasted watching this Evanescence video. <laughs> right, what it felt like. Well, you know, you look at you. You, know, you can always take any kind of any kind of monster and then just map it onto the experience of being an adolescent, and it probably tracks. Well, that's why you get Teen Wolf. Oh yeah, well, but we should devote a whole episode to Teen Wolf. I don't want to, and Teen Wolf too. That should also get its own episode. Which is the uh, one? Is the shot of the extra with his uh, junk out? The original. Wait, sorry. Yeah, famously, there's a scene. It's a, there's like a basketball game going on in the high school. That's gym. the first one, yeah. Okay, so somewhere in the background, like there, there's a shot of like all the kids like get it, coming to their feet and going. Yeah. Oh, and you, and, and yeah, in the background. Someone's not able to see it anymore. They probably digitally taken it out now. But yeah, there was like one extra that had his pants down and his uh, everything out. <laughs> yeah, I looked into that and I can't remember what I determined on that. I think that one. That's what Snopes would call. Inconclusive, you know what I mean? It's it's a little you can uh, find that footage, but I feel like yeah. I've seen the screen cap and go like, oh, okay, naked guy. Well, you really got to see it in motion, you know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we're getting we're way off the beaten path here. We should be talking uh, about Dracula's uh, junk. Yeah, exactly. Dracula's junk. Um. Can Dracula get somebody pregnant just like old fashioned style? Yeah, in my head, that's what happened with Blade. But you're right; she was just bitten with a vampire while she was yeah. by a vampire pregnant. She was or she was already um, pregnant. Yeah, I don't know. Like that that's it's interesting because they are looked at in these very seductive terms, but I'm not aware of them actually. Like they the the sexuality kind of like is just a ploy because immediately then he bites you and turns you into a vampire. <laughs> right, right, so right. Kill um so well, I, I, I will say in this new Netflix series, which I did not 
I, I, I'm potentially interested in watching, but mm-hmm. I only watched the beginning of it because I didn't have a lot of time. And I watched just the intro, and it and it and it ends the the cold open before you know cut to the titles is a nun asking Jonathan Harker, "Did you have sexual intercourse with Count Dracula?" So that's gonna that's the that's where oh, we're right. at now. That's <laughs> where we've 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 come to with it, you know, where where Dracula is just he he having sex with everybody. <laughs> Well, you you know you got to be careful. You could get a supernaturally transmitted disease. <laughs> yeah. Well, blood bloodborne illnesses in Dracula probably high high probability there. I would say he's messing around with a lot of people's fluids. <laughs> That's true. Well, it's, it's he's, not, he's not putting on rubber of, gloves. Yeah. Well, it's his primary source of nutrition. Yeah. Uh, so he's he does. So I mean, I mean, are we gonna? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to say that. Throw HIV into the mix. Things that Dracula is afraid of. Yeah. Um. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> it's very treatable, though. Oh, we got canceled on our first episode. Oh no. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I did want to uh, as before we finish up. I I had one um thought, which is because if you were to, it's odd because we now have a brand new Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um. If you were to regret one thing you've said in this podcast, <laughs> what would it be? I have the answer. Um. If uh, if you were gonna ca- create a new uh, Dracula property or film or, or TV show or whatever, who would you cast? Oh, who would I cast? Yeah, who, um, would you, who do you think would make a good Dracula? Hmm. I think Jason Isaacs would make a good Dracula. Yeah, that is a good choice. He is. It's, it's not too dissimilar from his Harry Potter character, like kind of impo- imperious and yeah. And, uh, evil. and if he and, and he was a little old, but but similarly similar type Timothy Dalton. You know, would Ooh, be a good Dracula. I like the underrated Timothy Dalton. He well, was he was always, he, as a James Bond, he always kind of came across as the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I felt, you know, um, he has a sinister kind of quality and he's got kind of a, a lupine face, right? A wolfish face. So he also would be good. Yeah. I kind of, I get those guys kind of mixed up. They're sort of similar to me. Um, by the way, another weakness, I think when Dracula's in wolf form, I think Wolvesbane might ward oh, him off, yeah. but, but only when he's a wolf. If you have any wolves bane lying around, you can wave that at him. Who would you cast? Do you have anybody in mind? Um, my mind went to Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, sure, sure. He's creepy. He's, he's creepy, and he's got uh, accent, which is yeah. required. Um, not he's not from Transylvania. He's from Scandinavia, but um, still, I think he plays. I mean, he's he was extremely creepy on Hannibal. Um, he was great in that, and I think. You know, he is a fantastic villain uh, whenever he shows up. So he could be. Now, know, if you were casting a Blackula today, ooh, <laughs> mm. obviously Idris Elba. There's, yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, he's that be, good, yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing if they tried to like do like a a really serious Blackula? <laughs> I think the problem is that like, you could you could certainly do a black Dracula, but man, the second you throw that name out, it's all it's already a pun. Like you're you're deflating his. Yes, the or the origins of that one are not hard to determine. Someone came up with that was definitely a we have the title before we have the story uh, situation. Yeah, uh, and if you're the screenwriter of Blackula and you're listening and you're and you're offended, please contact us and we'll issue a retraction. Yes. Um, so yeah, so that uh, I think that's probably a lot of talking about Dracula. I feel pretty good about. Uh, I feel like we've covered all the bases. Uh, I think so. We'll see. We've covered uh, what his powers, right? We've covered 
Well, I guess we covered this. We didn't really kind of list them, but I mean, it's mostly just biting you, sucking your blood, making you a vampire, and like some sort of his his influence. He's got like some super speed a little bit. He's got like superhuman. He seems like I feel like he's strong. I feel like he's got he's he's stronger than the average uh, uh, Eastern European count. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. yeah. Okay. So we covered his powers. We covered how to kill him. I think that was that was pretty well. Uh, yeah, like I said, laid out. He's he's all about the rules. Like he, there are lots and lots of different rules compared to I think a lot of other villains, which are just, you know, mostly it's just kill him however you can kill him. So yeah, I think so that's, that's what kind of defines him. The rules. Yeah, I think because I think that's the easiest thing for people to grok is like, oh, we can create a vampire story because we already have all the rules, and I think the having rules are super important to any fantastical story you know whether it's a sci-fi world or a fantasy world like you know we'll buy all well we didn't talk and there's one rule we didn't talk about which is the the him not being able to enter your home oh, uh, he's unless he's invi- unless he's invited which i always thought was kind of neat but also a huge weakness that is a major weakness <laughs> yeah you just need you just you're always trying to write in some dummy who's like yeah you can come in sure um, or you write you know, the opposite, long, which is like they just say no, and then he's like, mm, now what am I going to do? Shit. <laughs> What's I'm saying is a really that's a tough one uh, to defeat if you're Dracula. Uh, I'm sure they've done things where like if there's a welcome mat, you know, <laughs> or something. <laughs> then he has to put on a disguise. Yes. That was you know the guy from the electric company. Right, 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 right. Well, don't you want to invite me in? You know, to so check your fuse box. <laughs> I am the cable guy. Uh, yeah, we should do one on the cable guy. We could do one talking about legendary villains. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I feel I feel good. Um, right. This is all very unstructured and loose, mm-hmm. and I like it. And I think that's probably um, how it's gonna stay. All uh, right. We also should talk about what the next episode would be. Um, I have. Well, I feel like this is, this is this is a classic call to action opportunity. You know, that's for true. our for our listener. And if, uh, I had a, if I had an email to give them or a Twitter that I had set up ahead of time, I'd be happy to announce it, but uh, we'll hopefully I'll get that uh, set up relatively soon. And then we can start posting these online for people to listen to, enjoy, and then uh, interact with us. So um, I, I could call an audible and just come up with a villain for us to talk about next time, or we could uh, just leave that a mystery and we'll see what happens in between recordings. We'll figure it out. I'm not concerned. There there is no governing body, so uh, we can do whatever we want. This is for funsies, but uh, I guess uh, until next time, I'll use the, uh, the Simpsons sign off and uh, say, uh, gentlemen, clink to evil.